0: uh, be rich. And uh, we're, I'm, I'm loving this. I, I appreciate the fact that the Word of God is true. And you know, um, as a pastor, I'm required to preach the entire counsel of the Word of God. So I have to teach some things maybe sometimes we don't want to hear along with, you know, how many of you know that when you were young, you had to eat your vegetables as well as get your cake and ice cream too. And the same thing is true with the Word of God. So uh, we're going to cover some things and, and get into some things, and I want you to pay close attention to what we're going to talk about so that you don't miss anything today. But let's look at our foundation scripture that is found in 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verses 10 and 11. This is what we're basing this series on. And the scripture says this, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. So uh, what we're, we're teaching with this series is that God wants us enriched in every area of our lives. And not just finances, but every area. God wants us to be rich in peace. He wants us to be rich in healing. He wants us to be rich in love. You know, having money and, uh, (laughs) you know, all that other stuff, material things, doesn't do any good if you're mean, does it? (laughs) Nobody will want to be around you anyway if you're just a mean person. So, no, we want to be rich in love. We want to be rich in in joy. And uh, the scripture says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So, We want to be rich in every way. Now, here's why. Not so that we can just heap it upon ourselves, but so that we can pass it on to other people. We can minister to other people and be a blessing to them. All right. So the message translation, (coughs) excuse me, says that he wants us wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way. So wealthy, being rich, those things, prosperous, those aren't bad words. They're biblical words, all right? So I want to go over some points that we have already talked about and laying the groundwork uh, for this series and things that we have covered over the past couple of weeks just because they're important and they tie in with what we're going to talk about today. Now, these first five things are not in your notes. They're on past uh, notes. So again, if you miss anything, you can go back and get all of the notes uh, from the website. But here's the first thing that we talked about and that this is the entrance into God's way of prosperity and that is number 1 the tithe belongs to God. Leviticus 27:30 says that explicitly it says the first part the 10th part belongs to God and it is holy to the Lord. So tithing is a holy thing because it's important to God. Now Here's the second thing I want us to see, and that is this. The tithe is not important to God because of your money. Here's the thing that I want you to see. The tithe is, is, not, is about your heart and not your money. God wants your heart. He wants 100% of your heart. And the way that we show him where our heart is, is by one of the ways, is what we do with our finances. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So God is after your heart. So the tithe is not about giving money. It's not so, uh, you know, that the church can increase per se. That's a side benefit of that. But it's it's all about your heart. Where is your heart? Now, here's the third thing, and that is this. The tithe is about honoring God first. This is uh, just an important principle. And listen, these things are all throughout the Scripture, especially in the Old Testament. God made a big deal about things being first. And so he wanted to be first in the lives of the children of Israel. And guess what? He wants to be first In our lives. So when we tithe, we tithe to the Lord, we give Him the first 10% off the top. That is before we pay Duke Power, that's before we make our car payments, that's before we do everything else. God gets His first. Now, here's what you need to understand the Scripture says, when you honor God, He will honor you. So when you put Him first, He has a tendency to make you a priority. Amen? All right, so here's another thing that we talked about, and this is going to tie into our lesson today, and that is this, giving the first tenth causes the rest to be blessed by God. There is a principle in the Scripture, we've touched on this, that when you tithe, when you return the tenth part, the first part to God, that the first 10% causes the 90% that's left over, actually the whole 100%, to be blessed by God. Now, I don't know about you, but I have tried to function managing the whole hundred percent myself without the blessing of God on it. And it didn't work out too well. And so I have found that if I will honor God, give him the first tenth first and let him receive it, then he will bless the rest and help me multiply and manage the rest that he entrusts me. Now, here's another key. This again is going to tie into today's lesson. And that is this tithing is not sowing. Tithing is not sowing. Tithing really isn't giving. If you think about it, it's technically it's returning to God what belongs to him. Okay. I use this illustration last week or maybe the week before. If, if Kathy comes and borrows my car and I let her take my car and she does whatever she needs to do with my car. Here's, here's how we've kind of postured ourselves with God sometimes. So Kathy uses my car. She brings my car back to me in a day or a couple days or whatever we agreed on the time. And so she brings it back to me and then she stands there waiting on me to do something for her because she returned back to me what belongs to me. That doesn't make much sense, does it? Like I should pay her for for using my car and then returning it back to me. No, she needed to return my car. Why? Because it belongs to me. Okay, so the tithe is the same thing. Actually, 100% of your income belongs to God. He just entrusts us to do with the 90 what we need to do and then trust him with the 10th part. But here's the thing. Tithing is not sowing. God does not promise anything in his word about blessing that, those finances and returning that back to you. There's nothing about that in the tithe. What the tithe does, and we covered this in the benefits of the tithe last week, and that is he rebukes the devourer for your sake. He pours out into your life a blessing that there won't be room enough to contain, And he said he would protect your harvest. Now, we're going to talk about today what causes a harvest to come forth in our life. Now, I'm going to give you two spiritual laws today, two spiritual laws. And so if you want to get your notes out, let's cover this. Again, I encourage you, pay close attention to the details, okay? So here's the first law we're going to look at, and that is this, the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping. And reaping. So here's the first thing I want you to write down, and that is this. God created the law of sowing and reaping. That was not man's idea. That was God's idea. God created the law of sowing and reaping. Now, it is a law. Now, here's the cool thing. A lot of times in the spiritual, you will find a natural example so this is a law that works both in the natural and in the spiritual. Let me show you. Let me show you some scriptures that talk about this. So Genesis eight twenty two, the Lord initiated this. This was right after the flood. Noah and his family were rescued. The, the ark has come to rest. And so God institutes this law and he says, while the earth remains for the rest of the days of the earth, seed time and harvest cold and heat winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. So the law of seed time and harvest or sowing and reaping is a law in the natural and in the spiritual that will last forever. Are you with me? Okay. Now this is both a natural law and a spiritual law. Now Jesus said this, the whole kingdom of God operates on this law. Let's look at Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. And I really like the passion translation of this, these verses. And they say this, Jesus also told them this parable. God's kingdom realm is like someone spreading seed on the ground. He goes to bed and gets up day after day, And the seed sprouts and grows tall, though he knows not how. All by itself, it sprouts and the soil produces a crop, first the green stem, then the head on the stalk, then the fully developed grain in the head. Now I want you to think about this for just a second. I cannot explain how that works. Biologists can tell you what happens, but they can't tell you why. Why is it that when you take a dry seed, by the way, I don't know if you have seen the article on this, but there are some archaeologists that found seeds in ancient Egyptian tombs that were 6,000 years old. They planted those old seeds in the ground, and guess what? They came up. So what I'm telling you is this, that, that we may not understand exactly how it works or why it works, But it works. And Jesus is telling us, you know, that once you put the seed in the ground, as long as the environment is maintained, the soil is good, that seed will produce. And then verse 29, then when the grain is ripe, he, the farmer, immediately puts the sickle to the grain because harvest time has come. All right. So the law of sowing and reaping was instituted by God. God created this law. Now, here's the next thing I want you to see. God created another law principle that works in conjunction with this that says a seed will produce only after its own kind. A seed will only produce after its own kind. You will never, ever, ever plant corn and get watermelons. You will never, ever, ever plant grape seeds and get an apple tree. It's just not going to happen. I don't care how much scientists try and genetically modify stuff. It just will not happen. God created it that way. Look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 11. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass. Now this is in the creation. The herb that yields seed and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. So God spoke, he instituted this principle, and he said, an apple tree will produce apple seeds that will always produce more apple trees. All right? You will never find an acorn that produces, uh, you know, some other type of plant. It will always produce an oak tree. Okay, so... Um, That is just a principle. In the same chapter, verse 21, so God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind. I don't care how much the evolutionists have said we walked out of some oozy slime in a swamp one day and all of a sudden grew legs. It didn't happen. Okay? So every living thing in the water Produces according to its kind, every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Here's another verse, same chapter. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind. Cattle and creeping thing, beast of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. You will never ever find a cow producing a sheep. It's never gonna happen. Okay, it's never ever, and and I'll say this, okay? You and I did not come forth from a monkey a long time ago. It did not happen. All right? You know, there's some smart animals, but they're not that smart. Okay, so here's the thing. God created seed time and harvest, and he designated and said, a seed will always produce after its own kind. All right, are you tracking with me so far? Okay, so we've all heard a lot of teaching on seed time and harvest. My assumption is that. And so I want to... just to kind of break this down a little bit. So get this. Seeds are not always financial in nature. Now, I know a lot of times it's said, you know, and, and I've said it, you know, when you give, you're sowing seed. But I want to clarify that. Your money, and we'll talk about this more in just a second. Your money is not seed. All right. Somebody are looking at me a little strange. Hang on. All right, don't, 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 don't lose me and I won't lose you. All right, so seeds are not always financial in nature. Let me prove it. Galatians chapter six, verse seven. Again in the passion, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked for what you plant will always be the very thing you harvest. Okay, look at me. You will never sow finances and get time. okay? You will never, ever sow finances and get more love, okay? Now, I know, husbands, you can put some money in the love bank, all right? We'll talk about that in another message, but here's what I want you to see. Now, uh, and the scripture goes on to say, uh, Jesus said this, and I didn't include this in your notes, but Jesus said this, in uh, Luke chapter 6, you know our favorite verse where we we clo- quote Luke 6:38, give and it shall be given unto you good measure. If you read the verse right before it, verse 37, he says this, judge not and you won't be judged. Forgive and you'll be forgiven. What he's what is he saying? If you sow judgment, you're going to reap judgment. If you sow forgiveness, you're going to reap forgiveness. If you sow unforgiveness, you're going to reap unforgiveness. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Okay? So we want to make sure that we're sowing the right thing. So again, seed time and harvest, God created that. God created seed to produce after its own kind. That's why you can't sow love And get something else. No, you sow love, you're going to reap love. Are you with me? Okay. All right. Now, let me clarify what I just said a moment ago. Here's the next thing I want you to write down. The word of God is the most powerful seed we have available. The word of God is the most powerful seed that we have available. Okay, Now, let me show you what I mean when I said money is not necessarily a seed. Here, let me, let me give you a little principle here. Giving someone a financial gift might change their life on the outside. It might change their external circumstances. But the Word of God can change someone's life from the inside out and make an eternal difference. Okay, so the Word is the most powerful thing that God has put into our hands and given us the ability to sow. All right, now let's look at Mark chapter 4, verses 14 through 20. All right, now let's read this. The sower sows the Word, Jesus said. And these are the ones by the wayside where the Word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the Word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness and and they have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now these are the ones sown among thorns They are the ones who hear the word and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. But these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30-fold, some 60, and some a 100. So Jesus is clearly not talking about sowing money here, is he? Is he? No, he's talking about sowing money the word. That's what he said. The very first verse, the sower sows the word. So the word is the seed that God has given you and me the ability to be able to sow. All right. Now we spent a great deal of time in a message a few weeks ago talking about money. Do you remember that? You remember I had the brick and, and I said to you, money is like this brick. Money is absolutely and 100% neutral. It, it, it does nothing except expose the motivations of the heart of the person who possesses it. So as I said to you, A brick can be used to construct a school building like this. A brick can be used to construct a hospital. A brick can also be used to do a tremendous amount of damage. In the wrong hands, a brick can kill someone. So the brick is absolutely neutral in that situation. It has no ability to determine its own outcome. Only the person in whose its hands has that ability. So, if, if money is neutral, then money given remains neutral. Okay, track with me here, all right? Now, here's what I mean. Money, write this down, money can only become seed if the real seed is attached to it. Okay. Remember money is neutral. So if I want money to become seed, then I'm going to have to attach the real seed to it. What is the real seed? The word of God. All right. So I hope I didn't just pop your bubble. And so now you're thinking about all the people that you've given money to and no, don't, don't, don't think that. All right. Because if, uh, I believe that probably you gave that with a motivation of trying to bless someone. And, and here's, what, here's what I'm talking about. It, it's that when we give money and we attach the word of God to it, it becomes really seed. Remember verse 14 says, the sower sows the word. So here's how you attach the real seed to money. It's very, very simple. It's, it's this way, okay? And you can do this with the guy out on the street that has one of those little signs and you want to help him or you want to bless him. This can be a relative. This can be uh, a ministry. It can be your church, whatever. Uh, you need it to be, here's how you do it. You give that money and you attach the word to it somehow. You can say something like this. Jesus loves you and told me to give you this. You've just attached the word to that seed. You've told them something about the word of God that is true. And so you've attached the word to that seed and now that money has become seed. When When you give money, finances over and above your tithe to your local church, because we preach the word of God, those finances have now become seed. Are, are you following me? Okay, so when you give, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm just using this as an example, I'm not being critical. When you give to the United Way on your job, because they're doing a campaign, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you do that, that is not seed. You've just given money. Okay, why? Because you can't you don't know who that's going to. You can't attach the word of God to that. But when you sow or you give money to an organization, say, like Billy Graham or Samaritan's Purse or the Charlotte Rescue Mission or something like that, where, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, they are preaching the gospel you now have attached the word to that seed and that, I mean, that money, and that money has now become seed. When you approach someone and you say, hey, the Lord laid it on my heart to give this to you to be a blessing to you. You have attached the word of God to that. Are, are you with me? Okay, because I don't want you to to miss this. And listen, there's nothing wrong with giving away money. If you want to give away money, that's up to you. Now, what God wants us to do is learn how to use that, attach the word to it so it becomes seed because that is what he is able to bless and return back to you. You do understand, okay, when you give to the United Way, God's not obligated to do anything with that. Okay, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just being factual. <laughs> okay, somebody said, I've oh, doggone it. I gave them a bunch of money. No, I'm, don't, don't regret that, all right? It's going to help people, I hope, all right? so So the word is the true seed, and the word needs to be sown. Now, where does the word get sown? Into the hearts of men. You can't sow money into somebody's heart. You can only sow the word into somebody's heart. So if you need your money to become a seed, then you're going to have to attach the thing that could get sown in somebody's heart to it. Why? Because that's what God is after. Okay. If you're, if you're following me, say amen. Okay. So money can only be sown into the hearts of man, but the word or cannot be sown into the hearts of man, but the word can be sown into the hearts of man. So, our money must be attached to what gets sown into the hearts of man. Why? So that it can produce eternal spiritual results. Okay? All right. Now, so that's the law of sowing and reaping in a nutshell. Okay? We'll probably talk about this more as time passes. But what I'm wanting you to see is, is that, and this is all over and above. Your tithe. Your tithe is what opens the door for this to even work. So let me say this, okay? And I'm not trying to be legalistic, but I have to tell you what the Word says. If you don't tithe, then you cannot expect what you give otherwise to be blessed by God. Why? Because you haven't honored Him first. Okay? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, I know I'm giving you a lot to think about. All right, so let's talk about the second spiritual law, the law of multiplication. Say multiplication. Now, here's one thing you need to learn about God God is not into addition only, He is a God of multiplication. You know the scripture. The scripture in the Old Testament says this if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put. Does it say if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put two thousand to flight? No, it says if one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand, meaning there's a multiplier of ten there. All right, so God is a multiplying God. So let's look at a principle. And this is the reason, one of the reasons that Jesus did what he did in the story we're going to look at, because he wanted to lay this principle, this law out for us. So look at Luke chapter nine, verses 12 through 17. Okay. You know this story, but I want to look at the scripture because there's some details here that we want to pay close attention to. It says, when the day began to wear away, the 12 disciples came to Jesus and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions for we are in a deserted place. So Jesus had been preaching, been preaching a long time. The ushers came to him and said, hey, the people are getting hungry. Some of them are getting hangry. So you need to let the people go so they can go get something to eat. So Jesus says something really interesting. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. Now look at the first part of verse 14. For there were about 5,000 men. Now I'm sure you've probably heard this, but in Bible days, they only counted heads of households. So what we can say is that there were 5,000 households represented here. So let's say using normal statistics, uh, you know, you figure a household that has 2.53 people in it. uh, There was at least 15,000 people that had gathered that were at this particular event and this particular crusade that Jesus was having. All right. Now, I want to go back and I want to show you what did the disciples tell him? Jesus said, no, you feed the people. The disciples said, we have no more then five loaves and two fish, right? Isn't that what the scripture says? Okay. Is that enough to feed 15,000 people? No. I've done some feeding of large groups of people before, both in my job before I became a full-time pastor Um, You know, and then we've done some events in the church. I know what it takes to feed large groups of people. You cannot do that with five loaves and two fish. And by the way, Rick Renner did a study on this particular story. And the five loaves that are mentioned here aren't loaves like loaves of bread. It should say this in the Greek language, five crackers and two small sardines. I'm not being funny. That's what the Greek says. Because you got to think, some mama prepared this lunch for this boy. You know she didn't put five loaves of bread in there. I mean, my mama used to fix my lunch when I went to school, and I never had a bag that had five loaves of bread in it. I might have had a sandwich, okay, and some other stuff with it, maybe some potato chips or something like that. So here's my point that this boy went to this meeting of Jesus and he had five crackers and two little small fish. In other words, it was physically impossible for this to meet the need that was at the moment. There was no way that that was going to feed 5,000 households. All right. So, Again, verse 14, for there were about 5,000 men. Then he, Jesus, said to the disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. Now, why did he do that? Just to make it easier for distribution. He knew what he was going to do. Okay, And they did so and made them all sit down. He took the five loaves, or let's say the five saltines. You know, my dad used to, when he was young, when he'd go fishing, and maybe some of y'all can identify with this, particularly southern people, you Minnesota people will excuse you, okay? <laughs> but, you know, they used to eat crackers and sa- uh, sardines, okay? All right, that's what I picture when I picture this lunch, okay? So Jesus makes the people sit down in groups of 50. Then he took the five crackers and the two small fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude so they all ate every one of them that was there ate and they were all filled it wasn't a situation where they got you know the first ten got all they wanted and everybody else went away hungry no Everybody got all that they needed to be filled. And 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. All right. Now, this is a wonderful story. And, and, you know, I want you to, um, you know, take away the fairy tale aspect of it. And I want you to really let's drill down and let's look at this law of multiplication To see what happened. So I want to give you four principles of multiplication here. So write these down, please. All right. Here's the first one. What you have must be blessed before it can multiply. Okay. Before what you have must be blessed before it can multiply. Now, I want you to put this in your thinking about The tithe first, then sowing and reaping, the principles we just talked about that, okay? So this goes on top of that. This overlays that, all right? So let's do a little review, all right? We looked at the scriptures uh, two, two weeks ago, talking about tithing, and we said the principle of the tithe from the Old Testament that carries over to the New Testament is this. You take your tithe, And you present it to your high priest. Who is your high priest? Who is your high priest? What's his name? Say it a little bit stronger. Okay. All right. So when you take your tithe and you symbolically with your heart, put that in the hands of Jesus, what did he promise to do? To bless the rest. Didn't he? Okay. Are you you sure? Okay, all right. So what you have must be blessed before it can multiply. So if you are in a situation where you have a need and you look at what is available and it is not enough, then you have a choice. Either if you haven't tithe, then you have an opportunity to tithe at that point. Or if you are a tither, then you can remind the Lord about your principles and benefits of being a tither. And that is what he promised to do. So Lord, you promised that when I would place this in your hands, you would bless all of it. Now, I want you to think about something. Notice what Jesus did when the disciples came and brought him What was not enough, they put it in Jesus' hands, and the Bible says he blessed it, he gave thanks, all right? So he blessed what they gave him. Are you with me? All right? Here's number two. Write this down. Only what you give over your tithe is seed and can be multiplied. Okay, your tithe cannot, all right? we got And somebody says, why is this such a big deal, pastor? Because it is a big deal, all right? And we need to get this right because for so long, we, and I mean, we the church, we have been laboring under less than what God has been wanting to do in our lives simply because we don't pay attention to details. You'll find out maybe when you get to heaven, but I hope you find out before then, God is a detailed God. He pays attention to the details. Ask him sometime, you know, if you are in a situation where it seems like stuff's not working, ask him sometime, Lord, why is this not working? And you'll be amazed at how detailed he'll get when he comes back to you and says, you remember what I told you six months ago and blah, 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 and you didn't do it? Oh, yeah, Lord. Okay. Why? Because he pays attention to details. All right. So only what you give over your tithe is seed and can be multiplied. So the principles of multiplication only apply to the finances that you give over and above the tithe. That's why it's important. Tithing is wonderful and we need to be tithers, but we can't stop there. Not if you want multiplication to take place. All right. Now, here's the third thing. It is the blessing of Jesus that gives it the potential to multiply. It is the blessing of Jesus that gives it the potential to multiply. So again, I quoted this scripture to you. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. All right. So he blessed the loaves, he broke the loaves, and he gave the loaves back to whom? The disciples. Why did he give it back to the disciples? To distribute. Did you, you you've heard me say this before? God doesn't have any money. Okay? If you need some multiplication in your finances, then you're going to have to present what you need to present to Jesus. Let him bless it. And then he will put it back in your hands to see what you're going to do with it. Either you're going to distribute or you're going to sit on it or you're going to waste it or do whatever. Okay. Are you still happy? You still love, love me. All right. Even though I'm telling you the truth. Okay. All right. So, notice what happened. He blessed, he broke them. He gave it to the disciples. Why did he give it to the disciples? To distribute, to set it before the multitudes. So here's number four. Once it is blessed, what you have has to be given away before it can multiply. Now, please listen to me carefully. Um, I am not one of these that says this. If you have a need and you look at your bank account and what is in your bank account is not enough to pay that need, then you need to sow what's in your bank account. I'm not going to tell you that. I will say this if God tells you to, then you need to obey. I'm not going to, I I, I begrudge ministers who say that that's what you need to do automatically across the board because that can be foolish. Now, why? Because it only, it will only produce for you if that's the instruction that was given to you. And I know people go to the stories of the Old Testament, You know, like the widow woman who fed Elijah, you know, with the oil and all that kind of stuff. That's because she had a specific instruction from heaven. So listen, if you have money in your bank account, it's not enough to pay your bills, all right? I'm not, do not, do not say pastor told me I need to give away what's in my bank account. Okay? Because I didn't and you shouldn't unless God tells you to. See, we need to, we need to learn the difference between a supernatural direction by the Holy Ghost and then cookie cutter stuff that we watch other people do. Cookie cutter won't work. Why? You know why? Because there ain't no ointment on it. Let me say it properly. There's no anointing on that. And you and I need the anointing. Okay. All right. So Jesus received the bread. He blessed it, gave it back to the disciples for distribution. What would have happened if the disciples had said this? Jesus blessed it, returned it back to them. And they were like, hey guys, I'm a little hungry. Let's eat this. (laughs) What would have happened? Nothing. Everybody. All 15,000 of them would have gone home hungry. Why? Because they ate what they were supposed to be distributing. You know, sometimes we do that. There is a portion that the Lord lays on our heart to sow. And what happens is we see that something we really want and we eat it. We eat our own seed. Okay. Okay. God can't do anything with that when you eat your own seed. Okay. All right. So if they had eaten it, when Jesus gave it back to them, nothing would have been multiplied. So here's another thing that I want you to see. Let me go back to the scripture because I want you to see this. So Jesus took the loaves and the two fish looking up to heaven. He blessed and broke them, gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. I want to ask you a question. Was there any multiplication that had taken place yet? No. Not at all. Even when Jesus prayed, there was no multiplication. Okay. Remember I say pay attention to the details. So when did the multiplication take place? When the disciples got it in their hands and they gave it away. Okay. Are you tracking with me? The food did not multiply when Jesus prayed over it. The food multiplied multiplied when the disciples began to distribute it. Okay, so here's number five, principle number five. The miracle of multiplication, listen, did not happen in the master's hands. It happened in the disciples' hands. That's so important. Because let me paint this picture for you, okay? So here's the 12 disciples. Here's the crowd. Here's the five loaves and two fishes. Jesus lifts it up to heaven, says, Father, I thank you for this. Thank you for, you know, I don't know what he prayed exactly, but I'm assuming he said, you know, thank you for providing for the people and meeting the needs of the people. Then he takes it, puts it back in the disciples' hands, and the disciples had to take a step of faith they had to go out among the groups of 50 and start giving it out. And what happened as they began to give it out, as they distributed, I can imagine Peter, you know, Peter, I'm I'm surprised he didn't say something. Okay. Because he would have been giving and looked back down and there was nothing missing. In other words, it kept multiplying in his hands while he's distributing it. So, what does that mean to us? What that means to us is once we've tithed, we've gotten the blessing of God on the 100% of what He's entrusted to us, we take care of our obligations, and then we give out of our discretionary income. And when we begin to give out of our discretionary income, what happens over time is you will begin to see multiplication taking place where and I'm going to challenge you in this, and I'm not saying it'll take place by Friday, but I'm telling you it will take place if you're consistent with this, that you will not be able to give it away fast enough before it starts coming back to you. The scripture says, cast your bread upon the waters in Ecclesiastes, and after many days, it will return back to you. Okay? So what am I saying? that when you began to give, and let me give you a key here, and we'll talk more about this in lessons to come. Don't look at it as a loss. Look at it as an investment. In other words, when you have an opportunity to give, and you you write that check or whatever you do, do it online or however, you know, whatever you do, whether it's to the church or individual, whatever, however God leads you, Don't look at that and go, (laughs) I miss it already. Okay, and you watch it and you wave goodbye to it as it's leaving. I'll see you. It was fun having you for a moment. And then you get all about half depressed because you don't have it in your possession anymore. Okay. You know, I've heard it said, and I believe this, um, a seed never really leaves your life. Okay, why? God sees to it. So what am I saying to you? Don't look at it as a loss. Look at it as an investment. Let me ask you a question. That farmer that we talked about from Mark chapter four, does he go out, does he sow acres and acres and acres of say corn or wheat or whatever it is, and then goes home and just cries himself to sleep that night because he lost all that seed? No, If he's a good farmer, what he does is he looks forward to the time in about three months where he is going to reap a harvest. Now, listen to me, and get back much more than what he put in the ground. Okay, am I helping anybody today? All right, so as we begin to wrap this up, uh, notice this, there was not enough to meet the need to start with. But once the master blessed it, multiplied it, there was more than enough to meet the need. And guess what? God is such an extravagant God. There were 12 baskets left over. Now, I don't know how big the baskets were. The Bible doesn't tell us. But let's just say, you know, a basket. About that big. And supernaturally, Out of five little crackers and two little small fish, they had enough to feed all those people and they were filled and satisfied. And then they had enough to uh, take up 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, I'm going to equate that to this. We can all identify with this. What that means is after the cookout was over, they all had plates about this big and had foil on top of it and they all took home big old plates. Now, I have to believe, the scripture doesn't tell us what happened with the leftovers, but I have to believe they had to have sent that little boy home with some big leftovers. Because could you imagine, He, he rolls back into the house with two or three of those baskets full of those leftovers, and his mama says, if she wasn't at the meeting, his mama says, where'd you get that? Mama, you never will understand or believe what happened, but let me tell you, Yeah, what had happened was, and so he tells her the story, all right? So my point is this, when we believe God and we trust God's word, when we sow and we give over and above our tithes, that God has promised that he will take it, multiply it, meet the deed, whatever it is, Uh, that you're giving it towards, and then he will make sure there is extra that comes back to you, okay? All right, now let's look at one more scripture because I I wanna leave you with some hope. Somebody says, well, you know, that's all fine, well, and good, Pastor, but I'm running so tight right now. My finances are so tight right now. Matter of fact, I'm in the negative, okay? I wanna give you some hope because there is a way out. Now, here's the thing. You, You must believe God's word. All right. Do you believe God's word? Now, this is not pastor telling you this. This is straight from God himself. All right. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 11 from the Amplified Bible. Uh, and and these, these were some of the first scriptures I men, memorized. Somebody, when I was a teenager, gave me an Amplified Bible. And I remember I caught a hold of this, and these were some of the first scriptures that I memorized. Listen to this. Remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. He who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he's made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. Now, I'm going to stop right here and I want to make a comment. Your giving at church ought to take place before you ever get to church. In other words, you, your husband, wife, whatever, you need to sit down ahead of time other than the tithe. I mean, tithing ought not be a question. But once you establish that, then you sit down and you have a conversation. What are we going to sow over and above our tithes? Okay? And then you have that discussion, and it's agreed upon before you ever come to church. Now, I get it. There are things that happen. I'm not knocking it if you are getting your offering and everything together while you're at church. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying, I guess here's my point. Don't let it be an afterthought. Let it be something you plan That's what he's saying. Let each one give as he's made up his own mind and purposed in his heart. And here's how you'll avoid this. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. You won't give in to pressure when you have already decided with with heaven's help what you're going to do. He says, for God loves, he takes pleasure in, he prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without. A cheerful, joyous prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. Now, here's where I want you to see. If you you are at zero or below, this is what I want you to pay attention to. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need Be self sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Now, that's the end result right there. You need to be saying this when you give, you need to be saying, Father, I thank you that you're able to cause every grace and earthly favor come to me in abundance so that I may always and under all circumstances, whatever the need, I'm self sufficient possessing enough to require no aid or support. I don't have to go to anybody else and look for financial help. All right, that ought to be your confession. Here we go, verse nine. As it is written, he the benevolent person scatters abroad he gives to the poor his deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. Now, here's what I wanted to get to if you're a zero or below. Look at this. Somebody says, well, I don't have anything to sow. Okay, I got you. And God... Who provides seed for the sower and bread for the eating will also provide and, what's the next word? (laughs) Multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in act of goodness, kindness, and love or charity. And thus you will be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous and your generosity as, is, as it is administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. So if you are at zero or below, let's go back and look at that. God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating. I double dog dare you to say this, God, no, I'm not saying right now. Listen, <laughs> you can say it if you want to, but listen, here's what, I'm, here's what I want you to do is I want you to sit down and you look at your finances and you say, oh man, okay, I don't have anything to sow. God, I'm asking you, put some seed in my hand. The scripture says you will provide and multiply my resources for sowing. All right, now I'm gonna go back to what I said to early, early on in this series. And that is this, say after you pray that and your boss comes to you and says, hey, I need you to work a little overtime. (laughs) <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> okay no that could be God trying to get some seed into your hand all right or listen I've heard of testimonies and I'm not I, I'm not encouraging you to do this when you walk out in the parking lot today but I've I've, I've heard testimonies of people that have prayed that prayer been minding their own business find a twenty dollar bill in the street Okay? Now if you out there throwing money, let me know. so I can come get me some seed. all right? Amen. All right, so I want you to see this. God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will multiply provide and multiply your resources for sowing. Can I say it this way? We're kind of without excuse. Okay? Because here's what, what you need to understand. When this begins to happen, when God begins to provide and multiply your resources for sowing and you begin to sow it, harvest is coming and you won't be at zero or below much longer. Amen? Has this helped you at all? Man, I tell you, I love teaching this kind of stuff just because of the Nitty-gritty of the Word of God. And I want you to get this because this is our way out of poverty. This is our way out of lack and insufficiency. This is our way into abundance. And I'm going to go so far as to say this. This is our entrance into being debt-free believers. Amen? Now, I'm, I'm, I'm working on something. I tell you what, i got some things I'm working on right now. I'm getting them into my spirit Uh, And it's becoming bigger all the time about God. It's time for God's people to get out of debt. Because God doesn't want us bowing our knee to anybody. And the scripture says the borrower, and I'm going to throw a word out there that's in the actual language. The borrower is a slave to the lender. Anybody in here? receive some of that today? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. And we give you thanks Father because of your will and your plan. Lord, I thank you for the principles of your word that we have learned today. I thank you Father that they are true because you gave them. You said them Father. And because of that Lord, I believe that they work every single time. You said, Father, your word will never, ever fail. And so Lord, we receive it today. Father, we make whatever adjustments we need to make in our own lives so that we can walk in the fullness of what you have for us. Father, I pray for these precious people that are here today. Lord, I ask you to move in their lives in a dramatic way. Somebody that is here, Father, that may need uh, some seed. Father, I agree and pray with them and for them. Lord, that you provide and multiply their resources for sowing so that, Lord, all of us, we are we're not, we don't have an excuse, Lord, and that you put into our hands something that we can begin to give. And, Father, I thank you for it. Again, Lord, it's not so that we can heap it upon ourselves. Father, it's so that we can be the people that you want us to be and we can change people's lives with the Word of God. And Father, we thank you for it and we praise you for it in Jesus' precious name. Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.